Welcome back, Intimates. Thanks for your support on Patreon, making this 2021 season possible. This podcast is about all things intimate, relationships, love, connection, community, consensual non-monogamy, kink, orgies, lovers, and of course, good old-fashioned sex. I talk with old friends and even meet some new ones. I interview people from all walks of life, from recovered addicts to counselors, sex partners to perfect strangers. I'd like to thank my hosts, the Musqueam First Nation, as this podcast is recorded on their unceded ancestral territory, where I was born, where I work, and where I currently live and play. So settle in for an intimate conversation. What does a village look like when you're trying to raise a child? Does it need to be two parents and then some neighbors? Do you include aunts and uncles? What about neighbors across town? Today we chat with sex educator and host of the show Sex with Robin on BFM 109.6 every Monday at 10 a.m. PST. You can learn more about her at sexwithrobin.com. She's going to be talking to us today about non-monogamous co-parenting. Welcome to another session of Intimate Interactions. I'm here with my friend and fellow sex educator Robin Beach. She is a sex coach, as well as the host of Sex with Robin on BFM 109.6 every Monday, 10 p.m. PST or 1 p.m. EST, um, and that is recorded live, and you can find out more at sexwithrobin.com. How are you doing, Robin? Good. Sorry, I need to correct you. I actually did the same thing yesterday. Okay. You said 10 p.m. PST, 1 p.m. PST. I did that yesterday. (laughs) It's 10 a.m. PST, Yeah, that makes perfect sense. My bad. (laughs) It is corrected in my notes. Yes, awesome. Yeah, how are you doing? I know these are... uh, It's a time. It's a time. Time and a half. Um, Perhaps (laughs) just half a time. (laughs) Overwhelming, underwhelming, averages out to just whelming. (laughs) Whelming. I feel that so hard. Yeah. Yep. You know, it reminds me of like... So there's this feeling of like so much that you need to do and feeling at your limit but not doing any of it and it reminds me of jake the dog from adventure time when they like (laughs) burst in on the lemon grabs and they're like they broke the door fix the door and he's like fix the what what fix the door what's going on here finn what's going and the whole time you're just like for the love of god jake fix the door and he's just (laughs) just delays so long it's it's quite good Oh, I need to watch that now. I, I I know what you're talking about. It's just been a long time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I remember how much um, we actually bonded a lot over Adventure Time when we first um, we first were friends and sort of got to know each oh, other. Oh, for sure. I feel like that was a big, almost like part of the blueprint of, of our <laughs> of our friendship in a way. Yeah, definitely. Appreciation of Lemon Grab. Appreciation, especially of Jake the Dog. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <sighs> actually, my kids just started getting into. Oh, yeah. into Adventure Time. I kind of introduced it to them recently. <laughs> it's always good when you can introduce kids' show to your kids. Oh, exactly, exactly. I'm I'm really, really, really tired of, uh, like, Paw Patrol, and I, I can't even name how many other kids' shows I'm so tired of. For sure. And they're kind of just starting to get to an age where they can watch certain things that I might be interested in, like mm-hmm. maybe certain Disney movies or, or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, and yeah, I was like, oh, I wonder if they would go for Adventure Time because I want to sit and watch that with them. Mm-hmm. And they had the same reaction as any adults I've tried showing to the show, which is like, WTF? Right. What am I watching? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? And the kids kind of did that. They're just like, this is what's this is weird. And 
basically, I think what wins a lot of people over is, of course, um, you know, Jake the dog and Finn the human and their their friendship and the the their expressions, like how over the top they are and everything. And they're, of course, hilarious. And that, that sold them. So now they're getting really into it. They're just so endearing. Oh, yes. I think... And just the, the enthusiasm, I think. I don't know what it is. It's their enthusiasm for a just carefree kind of attitude. It's also such a layered show. Oh, yeah. Like, I think on the surface, yeah, you've got, you know, uh, a boy and his magic dog. And he goes out with his sword and has adventures with his magic dog and like goes into dungeons and gets treasure and like has fun with his friends. Um, And, you know, there's obviously a lot of queer themes in that, you know, um, Princess Bubblegum and Marceline used to Mm -hmm. be in a relationship at the beginning of the show. And, oh, I won't spoil whether or not they get into a relationship (laughs) over the over the 10 seasons of the show. Will they or won't they? Will they or won't they? Yeah, exactly. Um, (laughs) But there's Ross and Rachel. (laughs) <laughs> it totally you is know, castle and beckett it's like the full 10 seasons where you're just like for the like just pick one yeah yeah uh yeah. that's pretty good but uh i think what's so brilliant about adventure time is the way things happen off screen so like mm. from episode to episode you'll have stuff that contributes to various plot lines but because the show's so sporadic and like split up even if there was an earlier episode where stuff did happen it has to be alluded to or explained again in the episode that deals with it. Cause they're only 10 minute episodes. So basically, right, yeah. yeah. So basically you've got to figure out, okay, like what's going on <clears throat> for your audience and like root them in just enough backstory that they can follow, but not so you can't waste any time. Cause it's only 10 minutes of runtime per episode. So you have like right. this really cool minimalist formula where the writers are highly constrained by runtime and by the fact that it's a, a children's show, but then they manage to deliver these incredible, this is turning into an adventure time review. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they just managed to deliver like incredibly well, it's a good segue. I think for sure. You know, talking about the kids. Yes. And, and then of course, Victor just becomes a kid himself. <laughs> yeah, that's that's where I was going. I was <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, and my kids are into it now. Let's uh, segue. Uh, but no, you're too passionate about Adventure Time. I'm way too passionate about Adventure Time. <laughs> I was like, so when you were talking about parenting, I'm like, it's actually really brilliant that Jake's so carefree because all of his kids mm-hmm. end up kind of resenting him for not being there as a father. Spoilers. <laughs> yeah, it's a little relatable. <laughs> totally. Well, and and also just the idea that you don't think there's going to be any comeuppance for Jake because he's always just carefree and everything just works out. But then you see the damage that that type of personality and approach takes to the parent-child relationship over time. Yeah. I just think that's like... I remember thinking grown up as a kid, I remember thinking grown-ups were so painfully boring. Mm-hmm. And... I, I kind of feel that sometimes with my kids and I'm like, oh my God, I'm so boring. <laughs> Why did I become the kind of adult I didn't want to be? I don't think I'm completely boring, but in their eyes, I'm a little boring. I don't think you're boring. I think it's fair though. <laughs> I think it's fair that all the things that make you not boring are probably not things your kids necessarily need to know about. Exactly. You know what? That's a good point. That makes me feel better because I'm like, I'm not boring, but I guess the things that are not boring about me are not really kid friendly. appropriate for kids, right? <laughs> yeah, so totally. On, I have this, I feel like it's a weird, you know, secret identity life mm-hmm. as, as this suburban mom. That's, that's funny really on sometimes. so many levels. Yeah. I never imagined I love you. I canning. I love like Pinterest <laughs> and 
Like I'm legit. I'm sitting here crocheting right now as we speak. Like <laughs> I feel sometimes like there's this really boring suburban mom. And of course I'm, uh, I'm not closeted in any way, but I will say that I am not as loud when it comes to talking to other parents, sure, and teachers, sure. that kind of thing. I'm definitely, uh, keep it keep it cool and keep it muggle friendly yeah and then that makes sense and then i have this again so they they see that side of the our life i think the most yeah i think the fact that you've managed to be a boring parent is in so many ways like a success that you've just managed (laughs) to compartmentalize the sort of wacky fun loving really like you almost channel some of jake the dog's enthusiasm and excitement that is such a compliment i will take that thank you (laughs) Um, but then also you've managed to be like completely muggle friendly and boring as a parent, which I think honestly isn't a failing, but like a success when kids grow up and their parents are like, not especially interesting. I almost feel like that's a win for the parents. Yeah, actually my goal I think is to be a parent that embarrasses my kids, but all of my kids' friends are going to think I'm the coolest mom. I think that's every parent's goal, isn't it? <laughs> that's like particularly my goal. I want to be like, yeah, your mom is so cool. Oh, she's so funny. And they'll be like, oh, she tells that joke all the time. It's not funny. <laughs> my mom is not cool, okay? Like, no way. She's awesome. Let's go to your house. I want to be that mom. Are you going to be like the mom and Stacy's mom? Yes. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I feel like that's such a full circle because I remember really identifying with this song <laughs> when it came out and being like, oh, because I was, you know, I don't know how old I was. I know I remember listening to it, I think, as a teenager. Sure. Being like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. (laughs) I've crushed on some moms before. Definitely. So that feels very full circle. I would be honored. (laughs) So obviously inappropriate. So kind of an honor. (laughs) You're like to have, you know, a whole bunch of like late teenagers interested and you'd be like, no, thank you. But you're adorable. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just like, I still got it. I still got it. <laughs> yeah. Goals. Goals. So talking about all the things that make you interesting and all the ways that you strive to be boring, um, if I may put those words in your mouth, um, you go co-parenting, it. non-monogamy mm-hmm. and co-parenting. That's just such a juicy topic. I think so. It's it's exciting. It's confusing. It's a lot of things. Um, and I, of course, I don't want to say I'm, you know, by any means an expert. My kids are still young, sure. you know, in grade school. So I still have a lot of co-parenting to experience as my kids get older and understand more about my life. But, oh, I, I have, I have two co-parents. Okay. Um, I, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's difficult, of course, uh, as most people that are non-monogamous can understand to try to explain everything. Definitely. Uh, I've got Brandon. He is, um, we are co-parents. We don't have a romantic or sexual relationship, but we decided we really wanted to have kids together and to raise them together. So we live in the same house. Uh, We have separate bedrooms and we just raise the kids together. We're, we're mama or they sometimes call me mama Robin and daddy or dad, Mm -hmm. because we also have a, another co-parent that they call mama Taylor. Mm -hmm. We have lived together. Uh, she also has a daughter we call Bug. Um, <laughs> and we have lived together as co-parents. We are currently not living together. We've actually talked about living together again in the future. 
um, not to anything, you know, negative. It was just a moving situation that was involved with work. So um, Taylor lived in Montreal for a brief time and now they've moved back and we are a 10 minute drive away. So we, when, when she came back from Montreal, we initially planned on living as close uh, proximity as possible so we could continue co-parenting mm -hmm. uh, to uh, the three of us co-parent three kids. Yeah. Um, Brandon and I biologically had uh, two boys, Dexter and Calvin, and Mama Taylor, uh, or Taylor, she had uh, a daughter. She's about a year older mm -hmm. than my eldest. Mm -hmm. uh, we call Buck, and from a previous marriage. Mm -hmm. And I guess when Taylor and her ex-wife originally uh, separated, that was actually when we came to live together. And we kind of helped, you know, takes a village. Um, totally. The, but all the kids have been close since they were babies. They call each other brothers and sisters. And uh, even Bug at school, almost got in a fight at school. It's, it's really sweet. Got almost got in a fight in school because some other kids tried to tell her that uh, those aren't her real brothers. <laughs> I'm sorry. That just is a perfect fit for Bug. Like, I can, I I can see her being like them's fighting words. Oh, yeah. Like fists balled up, all of it, um, which is so her. Mm -hmm. But it's and it's so hard because we were all so proud of her. <laughs> like, you know, obviously she's getting in trouble because she almost started a fight. I wouldn't say she started a fight, but she almost, you know, threw some punches. Yep, that's uh, that's fair. So there was there was like school reprimanding, but also a side of like, that's really sweet, and we're we're kind of proud of you. <laughs> yeah, that's that's incredibly adorable, and it's like warm yeah. and lovely to hear that. Mm -hmm. So that's like. As as simple a way I can give you the background info. Mm hmm. Yeah. So that's a pretty cool setup. What What mm -hmm. do you usually tell people who are asking about um, what that might look like if, for example, they have existing children and they're now starting to date even monogamously? How does how do I guess firstly we could talk about like how does co-parenting relate to you know um, divorce? and monogamy um mm. or, or rather how does it vary among divorce and monogamy and polyamory well in interestingly enough uh, as i've you know tried explaining my situation to other parents that are you know muggles and don't really understand and i'll never forget one parent i was talking to um when after i explained it he said Wait, so it sounds like a divorced step parent kind of scenario, except everyone seems to get along, which, <laughs> which made me laugh. And I don't want to say like, I know step parents can get along, but I, I got the reference that he was trying to make. And I was like, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's actually kind of it. We all, there, there was no um, major transitions in our relationship. We're just, we're three people that, have been very close actually it's funny how i met taylor i actually briefly dated her ex-wife that's how i met her <laughs> uh yeah and anyways and they they had broken up and taylor was um you know struggling obviously as a new single mom mm -hmm. and yeah we decided to all live together and i i don't know even when the kids were babies uh, dexter and uh, bug were babies around the same time they're like a year apart um i don't know just since then it was 
always a, we just became the kind of people that we would go to for things. Mm -hmm. Um, It it kind of happened organically before we had had said, yes, we're co-parents, which is what happened essentially when uh, we moved in. I think Bug was maybe, I want to say two or three when Mm -hmm. we all moved in together. And I had just had my youngest, who was just a little baby, not even crawling yet. Mm-hmm. And at that point, things had been organic enough that once we moved in, we were like, hey, this is a kind of a situation where I feel like I can trust you with my kids. And especially with Taylor having her recent separation, she had said the same thing. And she was really, really, really touched by us, you know, wanting to help out. And I said, yes, I'm willing to help out. I'm willing to do whatever, you know, we are chosen family. And it kind of turned into a topic of, I think this looks like we're more of Mm co-parents. And that included a discussion of um, any rules or boundaries for like, for example, with reprimanding Mm -hmm. or, or giving a child treats or something that you would normally feel inclined to ask the bio parent permission for. Right. Talking about those boundaries, saying yes, I'm okay if you reprimand them. I'm okay if you send one to the corner. Like, and if there's any questions you have or something that you're not sure about, you can talk to me about it. You know, that kind of important talks that parents have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they just sort of got to know your style of parenting and relationship with your kids, and also they developed their own relationship with your kids, which you all developed a sense of comfort with each other that you were 100% Mm -hmm. okay with leaving them completely alone with your, you know, offspring for however long because you trusted each other. Yeah, absolutely. Totally. So for, so I actually, um, I love that answer that you gave to how similar is like a a monogamous co-parenting relationship versus a non-monogamous one. And it's sort of like, well, really the co-parenting piece is pretty much identical. It's just a question Mm -hmm. of like what agreements you make around co-parenting with those people. 100%. I don't really see any difference. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I would hope that people that are becoming a step parent would talk about making the decision of how involved they want to be yeah in a child's life what what kind of person do you want to be for them are you wanting to be a parental figure and what does that look like right those are just conversations that you have when there are people that are going to be essentially parenting your kids in a form so Mm -hmm. uh i think that when the initial idea is given to some folks it's it, it might seem confusing as kind of a knee-jerk reaction, but when you really look at it, it's not that different. It's like any other person that's going to come into a kid's life and be a part of the family. I mean, take Full House, for example, right? How old is Full House? Oh, my God. It's like you, so old. They literally, the kids had like three dads, essentially. That's true. And uh, if you were a kid, yeah. you wanted to be disciplined by Uncle Joey. Yeah, exactly. Um, but even, yeah, actually, if uh, if my memory is correct, it probably isn't. But I do recall, you know, early episodes of Full House where uh, the father, Danny, is having to talk to uh, Uncle Jesse and Uncle Joey about what's okay and what's not. Because I think Uncle Jesse had been uh, kind of conned into having his band over and ordering pizza with the kids and they're way up late. I don't right. even remember that episode. It's, I think it's pretty early on. I don't. And the, go ahead. And Danny's like, if you're going to be here, 
and I'm going to leave you with these kids. This is what this has to look like. I vaguely remember that now, but he may have said that to Jesse multiple times. <laughs> yeah, probably. Okay, who didn't have a crush on Uncle Jesse? I mean, I don't care what your gender or sexuality <laughs> is. Who did not have a crush on Uncle Jesse? Let's be real. It just makes me think of Cinnamon Scudsworth going, Stamos! <laughs> I don't know if you've seen yeah. Clone High. Yeah, uh, I have. I don't I don't watch it, but I have seen that, yeah. Where, yeah, the... Um... <laughs> The principal is obsessed with is it, it's John Stamos, right? Yeah. Yeah. Who played Uncle Jesse? Wow. We've really gotten into the weeds with like pop culture references. Anyone who's following like props. <laughs> <laughs> you might be able to tell how old both of us are yes. by the references that we make. Yeah. And Full House is like we're dating ourselves. Oh, yeah, for sure. But anyways, <laughs> yeah, I like I'm, and that's what I'm saying. That isn't a really new show at all. Right. And you already see this pretty simple concept of co-parenting. It's true. The 90s explored a lot of what was then considered very alternative culture, like, um, you know, single dads with Blossom and wow, I really mm -hmm. am dating myself. Um, but even like <laughs> um, like homosexuality became more of a thing that showed up in the mainstream. There was still like a lot yeah. of homophobia, but like homosexuality also got some play in the mainstream. And it was like that was that was a big deal. Mm hmm. So, yes, so having more than two parents, a thing that has been normalized in decades past, and I mean normalized to varying degrees. But recently there was that uh, that court case that showed um, that all three dads were the legal parents of one of yes. their kids. Yes, I remember that. Mm -hmm. Oh, that gave me such joy. Totally. So that's now precedence in Canadian law. So that's exciting. Yeah. I think the thing that might be confusing for people, and this is me just speculating, if, if you think I'm wrong or if you think I have a point, like, please, please let, let us know. Um, I feel like there's this maybe assumption or expectation that if you're in a co-parenting relationship with somebody, that it is or was a sexual or romantic relationship. Mm. Um you know, assuming that um, they were married, had kids, and then got divorced, or that a step-parent came in, that there somehow needs to be a romantic-slash-sexual relationship within a parenting dynamic. Right, because um, that's, like, the normal which, mold that we typically see, but that doesn't yeah. have to be the case at all. Right, and I, I... Honestly, that was kind of a time for me to realize it seemed so simple, um, as, as Brandon and I are trying to figure out our dynamic and we knew we really wanted to be parents and why isn't this sexual romantic relationship quite fitting? Well, right. what, are, what are we going to do? And it's like, well, we make great parents together, but being co-parents, like that is one type of relationship. A romantic relationship is an entirely different type of relationship. And so why is it assumed that one has to go with the other? If you're in a romantic relationship, you don't have to have kids. If you mm -hmm. have kids, you don't have to be in a romantic relationship. Totally. Like find someone. And that was even baffling for me to kind of realize that years ago. And I'm like, now it seems really obvious. It's kind of funny. It's it's very like almost relationship anarchisty that idea that like, you know, you construct your relationships and your dynamics based on, you know, the rules of all the people participating in those relationships. 
Um, yeah. but that you don't have to subscribe to pre-existing boxes that tend to lump things together mm -hmm. where you might be like, well, I really like having these kinds of sex with you, but I really don't like having those kinds of sex. So rather yeah. than be like, I could tolerate it, it's not the end of the world or like, yeah, we could do that. You just do the kinds of things that you're a fuck yes to. And then you're like, yeah, if you want to go and get those needs met elsewhere, go for it. You want to have butt sex? I don't. But you go and have <laughs> all the butt sex out there that you want. I call that anal compersion. <laughs> Um, right, because you've experienced anal compersion before. Oh, yeah. I'm like, I, that's not for me, but I get so happy. <laughs> well, this was uh, actually this is from <laughs> Brandon when, when we were dating. I remember, and, um, yeah. Yeah, that's not for me. And and he got this new girlfriend and she told me she loved it. And I was, I, I felt like this huge <laughs> amount of what felt like compersion, but it was compersion for him that he could go have as much of that as he wanted. I was so happy for him to get those needs met. Totally. And you're like, oh, thank <laughs> yes. It's almost Perfect. almost like a relief. That you're like, thank God you love it so much. For the love of God, be as big of a slut for those things <laughs> as you want. You just leap all over my partner until he has none of those urges left. Please, for like a sick Absolutely, pursue. Yeah. And it's not, it's not that I would do anything that I'm not okay with. Sure. But at the same time, there sometimes does feel like a little bit of pressure not that he was pressured there, but then it's almost like, oh, well, you know, I really want him to have those needs met. I could do it for him. Um, not that I did, but it was, you know, there's still that like, well, I mean, I guess I could, you know, take one for the team. Everyone considers uh, so it. I, it's, right, exactly. So that's one of the, I think, things I really love about non-monogamy. Totally. There's no... Uh, pressure to be everything that your partner needs and wants right or to have kids because i mean we're talking about things like mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. you know having sex when you're pretty blase about it or pretty like meh about it um obviously right. i'm not talking about non-consent here although this is definitely a gray area where like non-consenty type stuff can definitely happen um not not that anyone's saying it did in your case um but yeah just this are you talking about conceiving um no i was talking about just types of sex that you didn't oh. that you know individuals <laughs> yeah. either you know maybe one person's very into it and the other person's really meh like right. i could do yeah. that but yes. it's sort of like when someone's like hey do you want fries at mcdonald's and you're like i'm not really hungry but like i guess i'll shove them into my mouth like i'll, I'll take totally. it it's like yeah. i could eat you know yeah. <laughs> well, and I mean, this is a whole other topic, but sometimes you don't necessarily know whether you want it until it's in front of you. So true. So true. And then there's the whole reactive. That's a whole other topic. The... I feel like that's a topic we could discuss. For so long. It, even the idea of like reactive arousal versus spontaneous yeah. arousal. Yes. Like yes. sometimes you're like, I know I'll want it once we get closer. But like right now, I definitely don't. Mm -hmm. But that isn't a reason not to like move in the direction of wanting it. So there's like, yeah. oh, we go on for so long. We have so many good conversations. Exactly. exactly. Uh, but we were we were talking about um, how relationships can be kind of you know a la carte, where you pick up these ideas or dynamics that you want, and as long as everyone's consenting and on board with it, great. You know, like I'm not going to mm -hmm. judge your relationship or anyone else's relationship. Um, but what I what I will say is. If we think this applies a lot to sex and we think this applies a lot to, you know, just because you're co-parenting doesn't mean you have to have sex or be in a romantic relationship. Mm -hmm. Think of how significantly it applies to conception then of like, you know, people who are like, I could have kids. Yeah, I, I, I think I could be a, a decent parent versus people who mm -hmm. are like, I really want to be a parent. This is like a core need. This is important to who I am. Right. You're starting to talk about 
a really big life decision and a commitment for mm-hmm. like the rest of your life, presumably, hopefully, hopefully the rest oh. of your life. And, and beyond, mm-hmm. honestly, because, um, you know, my mom really, really drilled it into me growing up that you have to be very careful who you select as a co-parent mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, I have a history of, of domestic abuse. And so even though mm-hmm. they hadn't seen each other in how many years, mm-hmm. you know, my sister has a baby, both my mom and dad show up at the hospital at the same time, you know, and she said, you know, I, he will always be a part of my life. Also in the genetics that are passed down or mannerisms or habits, you know? So when, uh, when we had our first, we're in the hospital, we're getting ready to leave. It was actually a good friend of ours, Jay, who uh, had offered to drive us home from the hospital. And he said, He's like, I'm just going to give you advice only one time. Please bear with me. (laughs) And he goes, Jay, uh, he was our roommate at the time. Yeah. Really great guy and and a dad. And so you could tell he was trying not to give dad advice, but he's like, I I have to do it once. (laughs) And I promise I won't do it again. He said, you two are connected now forever. And, you know, even after you're dead, if this family line continues, you still have that connection. And no matter what your relationship looks like, you have both of you together have to choose whether it's going to be a positive or a negative relationship. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It, and and that was perfect. And that was actually what Brendan and I had, had also kind of discussed that uh, as long as everyone is healthy, nothing is toxic, we plan on living together. We're not making major plans other than obviously these kids we hope to have them around for longer than we are around Mm -hmm. and so yeah it was like no matter what happens let's promise to keep our relationship positive for Mm -hmm. the sake of these kids yeah as a as a child of a bitter divorced couple um Mm -hmm. i can empathize with what a positive impact that kind of thing does make for others and could have made for me yeah you don't have to be having sex. You don't have to be going on dates. You don't have to be romantic together, but it needs to be a healthy, positive relationship. Mm-hmm. And any you can do that if everyone is willing to work on it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, as long as everything is healthy and non-toxic, and we do things we always have to keep our relationship positive. Any relationship needs care and attention. Mm-hmm. It used to be that we would, and this might not sound like a lot, but parents are going to understand. Once a month, uh, would be we'd go out on on what we would call a date night. You know, it's not like a romantic date. We would just call it a date night, uh, where we'd go out to a restaurant, and it didn't have to be for long. It could just be a couple hours to get out of the house, get away, and have just time where we're hanging out. And I feel like it helped to specifically be out of the house because it's hard not to focus on the domestic parental things totally you know when you're home and you see the dishes and oh and there's this pile of laundry and all this bills here we got to pay that like that kind of stuff we wanted to be able to leave behind and it helps for us to leave the house obviously with covid that's been another thing so Mm -hmm. it's kind of turned into for now uh movie night Mm -hmm. and sometimes it happens more than once a month but like once a month is kind of our our minimum for this is our time to nurture our relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also do relationship counseling. We do that 
yeah, usually about once a month where we just touch up on our goals and how things are going and our communication just to help keep it healthy. Totally. Uh, and with Taylor, we are not currently living with her. And obviously with COVID, we can't see her, which oh, that breaks sounds my heart. Terrible. I miss her so much. And I miss little bug. Um, but I'm also thankful that we have, you know, FaceTime and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. um, I'm able to uh, text bug. We text Hey, Mama Robin, this is what happened today, even if it's just me and her. Um, and she likes to video chat with the kids, although the kids are ridiculous. And so they just want to play with all the filters. Of course they do. <laughs> and she'll, and it's so sweet. She goes all big sister on them. You better, you know, you better be good for dad and Mama Robin. Aww. You better be on good behavior. And that's so really that's cute. Nice. So we do, we do try to keep as much, uh, in contact as as possible until we can see each other in person again which is hopefully soon and keeping up with the parenting stuff you know updating on school things we always forward parenting emails to each other uh, when it comes to like from schools and stuff so mm-hmm. yeah it's hard not living together in these times but you do what you got to do i think the interesting thing about these episodes is that they're always listened to in the future so here's hoping that wherever you are listening to this that the pandemic is over and that you are just like shaking your head at like what even was that how did we get through 18 months without (laughs) hugging people we loved like i have serious brain fog over like i it's been a whole fog honestly the last you know year year and a half but we're so close. I've got my first shot waiting on my second. Yep. Me too. Yeah. All right. So do you have any final comments on co-parenting before we end it? Um, I mean, comments, I would just say, um, how much I love, love having <laughs> yeah. more than one adult that is committed to caring for and nurturing our children. Mm-hmm. I, I love it on so many levels. And of course you chuckled because yeah, it's a really big relief for me in a lot of ways. I I'll never forget and hope to achieve again one day when living with Taylor mornings, you know, the chaotic mornings with kids running around trying to get dressed for school and you're making lunches and someone's naked and slippery because they just got out of the shower and there's this chaos. And when it was all three of us in the house, there was just always a parent that would naturally step in as needed. It didn't matter who was biologically, genetically connected. It was just helping hands everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, And whatever your thoughts are, if you might have a kind of knee-jerk reaction that feels uncomfortable about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've had a lot of school teachers be really supportive. I've also um, seen a a pediatrician and talked about it with her. And and, uh, everyone has said, you know what? You can't spoil children with love or Mm -hmm. attention. Mm -hmm. There's, there's spoiling kids with food or, or things, but giving them the attention they need you can't give them too much. And honestly, even if you do, that's when they go play on their own. It means they're secure and they're like, I'm fulfilled. I've had enough emotional 
attention it's and true. reassurance that I need. Now I'm going to go play. So having, there's nothing wrong with having more than one loving adult in your life. I also have a girlfriend, Tia, who's a, always been a big part of the kids' lives. They, She's not a co-parent mom, but she's kind of like, her aim is to be the cool aunt <laughs> and they love her to bits. So I have, I've had so much help, which is also just, I don't even know what to call it. It's been absolutely incredible to be able to have someone help when I'm pregnant and not feeling well or you know, yeah. what have you. So it, it, there's, you know, the proverb, it takes a village. And I so, so wholeheartedly agree. It's very difficult, I think, in Western culture where you have a kind of nuclear family and they're all on their own. And even I've had muggle, you know, mono monogamous friends have a baby and say, how, how are two people expected to do this all by themselves, let alone one? Mm -hmm. How? It feels honestly to me a lot more natural to have more people for the kids because kids are, kids are a lot. Okay. Yeah. Legit. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you really want to. Unless you really enthusiastically want to, because I tell you what, I love my kids. I really, 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 really wanted kids, and I'm tired. <laughs> I'm good. I love them, but like, it, it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom on co-parenting and what that looks like in you know non-monogamous frameworks. Oh yeah, and that's just one example. Yeah. It's there's you. It's a like you said with relationship anarchy. It's very much like design your own, create your own pizza, create your own parenting dynamic, you know? Mm -hmm. And of course, if people have any questions, you do consulting as well, right? Yeah, I do. Awesome. Yeah, you can check out, um, basically learn all about me or the work I do on sexwithrobin.com. There's information on what I do as a sex educator and presenter speaker. There's um, my sex and relationship coaching. And then there's, of course, the show, mm -hmm. Sex with Robin BFM 109.6. All of that's on there at sexwithrobin.com. There's also, I mean, my socials. I'm just going to start promoting myself. You should. You should promote yourself. My socials, yeah. Socials at, at Sex with Robin. You can find me and, and DM me on any of the things. Awesome. And of course, I'm at Intimate Victor on all the things. I don't usually promote myself in session, though, because I typically promote myself in the intro or outro, but. Do, do it. I guess I should probably promote myself more. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta. Uh, I'm so bad at it. Go to, go to Patreon. I, I, Give me money. <laughs> you, you gotta, you gotta. It's not gonna happen, right? Yeah, it's true. Gee, my girlfriend's always on me for that, and I'm getting better at it. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna help move, pay that forward and help, you know, yes, promote yourself. Promote what you do. Well, thank you. Um, thank you very much for the session, and let's close it here, and we'll start a different one. Yeah, thank you. So how did you like it, Intimates? Discuss your ideas with the community at facebook.com slash intimatevictor. You can tweet me at intimatevictor. You can follow me on Instagram at intimatevictor. Pretty easy, right? If you can spare the cost of a cup of coffee to help the show keep going, head to patreon.com slash victorsalmon. We hugely appreciate your help to continue making intimate conversations for you and yours. If not, you can always help other intimacy nerds find the podcast by leaving us a good review anywhere online, especially iTunes. 
The opening music is on hold for you, made of algorithmically generated notes and chords and played by an AI saxophonist. This closing music is Gymnopédie, number one, by Eric Satie. Both are provided royalty-free courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. Thanks so much for your time, and may your most important relationships be filled with intimate interactions. Be well.